Welcome to the discussion, Leading Voices in Federal Contract Management, sponsored by Technomile. Here's today's moderator, Vanessa Roberts. Welcome to Leading Voices in Federal Contract Management, a series of conversations on Federal News Network with experts across the federal industry about the unique challenges of managing federal contracts and how best to address them. I'm Vanessa Roberts, and today our guest is Rob Burton, a partner in the Government Contracts Group at law firm Kroll & Mooring. Welcome, Rob. So Thank nice you to so much, you. Vanessa. Thank you. Pleasure to be here today with you. It's great. I really appreciate you coming in to talk to us about this today. So let's just start off with a little bit about you, though. Tell us a little bit about your career journey, where you came from, and kind of your in-the-government role and now outside-the-government outside, role. Yeah, it's been a long career. I've been in federal acquisition now, Vanessa, over 40 years. I cannot believe this. And um, I started my career as an attorney in the Department of Defense and really was an actual attorney doing federal acquisition related work in the Department of Defense, mainly with the Defense Contract Management Agency and the Defense Logistics Agency. Then I moved to OMB, the Office of Management and Budget, where I served as the Deputy Administrator and the Acting Administrator of the Office of Federal Procurement Policy, which is basically the person who chairs the Federal Acquisition Regulatory Council, the Chief Acquisition Officers Council, and basically sets government-wide policy for acquisition, which was just a really great experience. Now, I am with the Cromwell Mooring Law Firm in Washington, D.C. It's the largest government contracts law firm in the United States. And I'm working there with government contractors to help them position for business opportunities for, uh, within the federal government, actually help some companies market to the government, which is a little unusual for an attorney. And I, I then get involved in their current contracts and trying to resolve current dispute-related issues or issues that could result in disputes trying to work it uh, to resolve it without litigation. So that has been, so I've seen it both from the federal government side and also from the private sector side. And we work with large companies and small companies both. So I've really seen the types of issues and challenges that both large and small companies face with dealing with the federal government. Gives you a great deal of perspective too, having been in the government and now on the other side, you can really tell people like, this is how it goes down, guys. This is how it works, right? Well, it's really interesting, and uh, yeah, it's, I wish I could go back into the government because I've gained so much experience now in the private sector. 14 years of private sector experience dealing with a wide variety of uh, contractors. And then in the government, I dealt with a wide variety of agencies at OMB, which is really, gives you a very unique perspective. And uh, I tell you, I wish I could go back in the government now and try to fix some things that I didn't realize they, things weren't working quite the way I thought they were. And I learned that, you only learn that mm -hmm. by dealing with individual contractors and seeing the challenges that they face. Well, before we really dive in, talk a little bit about what makes working in the federal government and contracting procurement so unique and different. What are the pain points and the challenges? They are different than the commercial world. And now that you have that other perspective, as you point out, you can see some of those things, right? Well, they become much more apparent. I always knew there was a difference between federal contracting and the commercial world. But boy, uh, I really see the differences now. I see, think, Vanessa, some of the biggest differences are the contract life cycle and how long it takes in the government. I mean, industry gets incredibly frustrated with how long it takes. And yet the government will come and say, give me a proposal within five days, um, in putting an enormous amount of pressure on industry. But there's so many unique rules. The government's a totally different animal, right? I mean, they, they have special rules like termination for convenience. I'm just going to terminate the contract because I want to. Uh, or I'm going to add to the contract and make unilateral changes to it, which you can't do in the commercial world. The government, sure, the government can make unilateral changes. And then, of course, you've got uh, the protest process. You've got GAO that you can go to if you have a problem with respect to how the contract's awarded. There's no 
um, dispute uh, GAO or bid protest forum in the commercial world. So this is all very unique rules. But I think some of the biggest challenges uh, is the system is just so distant. You know, the, the government doesn't communicate. The government doesn't really engage with industry. Very different in the commercial world where partnership is, is very much a part of the culture. And the government, not so much. And the government has this view still to this day. We've been working on it for decades. But still to this day, an idea of arm's length, I really can't talk to you, even though you're my business partner. Um, and it really hurts with respect to doing adequate market research, with respect to doing adequate contract administration. If you don't have that dialogue, um, routine and robust dialogue, it makes it very, very difficult to deal with the federal government. So is that one of the challenges you see that people bring up the most? Like they really literally do not know how to communicate and keep track of what's happening with these projects? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've been stunned by the lack of communication. It's gotten worse, to tell you the truth, since with the pandemic. Uh, people are just less responsive at the agencies. Now, I'm speaking generally. I mean, there are obviously pockets of excellence and some people in the government that are incredibly impressive and incredibly helpful. But there is probably generally speaking, a lack of robust communication throughout the entire process from the market research all the way to contract closeout. So I think this is one of the major challenges uh, for the government. And also the government lacks data. The government lacks data and they look to you, the contractor, to bring them the data because they don't have it themselves. And they, it puts a lot of pressure on contractors to make sure they're up to speed, that they have the data available when that report comes in, I mean that request for a report comes in the data better be there. These contractors are under enormous pressure to have data at their fingertips for the, uh, for the government folks. That's what everybody asks for now, right? Data, data, data. Um, talk a little bit about your career. Think about you know, the different processes, technology, strategic approaches, um, looking at that. And you mentioned it a little bit just now, the need for data. But how does the maturity of like the contract organization affect its ability to really engage with an agency well. You know, are they at the starting point, they're doing everything on paper and email, like, or, you know, how does that change their ability to interact? Yeah, this is, this is a, I've seen this develop more um, critically, just in recent years, the, the need for contractors to engage with artificial intelligence, quite frankly. I mean, AI is the big uh, term now, artificial intelligence. The government doesn't do it well. There are pockets of excellence where the government is trying to do uh, utilize artificial intelligence in a much more robust way. But they're looking to industry, again, for the, to be the model, to be the leader. Mm -hmm. They're looking to industry to be much more efficient than they are right. and to really um, uh, provide the robust AI technologies that are now available. I have been so impressed with some of the contractors I've been working with with respect to the, the technology they've used and how they have basically used a cloud platform to, to, to monitor the acquisition process from the very beginning to the very end. Market research, uh, uh, response to the proposal, the contract award, and then contract closeout. The whole process um, is automated and it is incredibly impressive how they can bring data to life just very quickly. And of course, this. This is what the government's looking for, right? The government's looking for contractors that have this ability, especially when they may not have that ability. And so they're relying more on contractors to bring that forward. And let's face it, contractors are much more competitive in this world today if they can utilize very impressive and innovative AI technology. It's just the, it's just the way it's going to be. Right. But the government is still back 50 years, still doing 
you know, paper processes and, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it, and I was surprised about that, Vanessa. I was surprised because I, I did not realize how far behind the government is with respect to some of these basic uh, technology advancements. But do you think that by the partnership of some of these um, contractors with agencies, it's actually helping the government also move forward because they do want to do these things. They definitely do want to be a center of excellence for contracting. But they do have a lot of unstructured data, to your point. They have a lot of paper. Um, they have a lot of complex requirements that have to be considered. Do you see like the vendors actually moving the government forward a little bit? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, there are pockets of excellence within the government. For example, there's one agency that has set up an office, an enterprise-wide office, that is focused on AI and trying to automate everything, all the processes within the agency, they're trying to automate and get rid of paper entirely. But that is an exception to the rule. Most agencies are really behind, and they're basically contracting this out. You know, they're basically asking contractors to do what arguably, you know, they should be doing. So contractors are getting the data, they're basically operating the project without that much government assistance. And so the government is looking for competitive purposes. Do you have the skill set? Do you have the automated technology? Can you do all of this? Because we are relying on you. The federal government's relying on you. So does that make it kind of essential to that relationship that you're gonna have with these agencies, the ability to really understand this technology, to use new technologies that you can't any longer not really be playing a more technology game in federal contracting? Oh, it's just, I mean, I think this is so basic in a way, and I get very frustrated when I see contractors that don't seem to to get it, that they need to make an investment. They definitely need to be a model for the federal government. I can give you a really good example, too, Vanessa, which I find quite interesting. There's one agency which was um, their purchase card program. Uh, they had absolutely everything done by paper still in this world today. Everything was paper with respect to all the purchase card transactions. So from the time they had a requirement all the way through the purchase, all the way through the audit, you know, a year down the road, everything was spreadsheets, everything was in banker boxes up to the ceiling. Uh, it was shocking. I mean, I thought, wait a minute, this is incredible. But guess what? They were not alone. They were not alone at all. Uh, a contractor I was working with came in, basically gave them an automated solution, said, we're going to use a cloud platform. We are going to basically automate your entire process um, from the very beginning when you have a desire to make a purchase with a purchase card and you have to get approvals, internal approvals to make the purchase. And we're going to automate everything all the way through the audit process at the end. Long after the purchase has been made, the audit process is going to be automated. This agency saved so much time, so much workforce time. It was shocking how much, how many hours of work they saved. And, and a lot of people think, oh, gee, my job's at risk because I don't, I don't do all this paper anymore. The government's not going to need me. Not at all true. So what they did with these folks is that they basically allowed them to work on more high-profile, important procurements, if you will, not right. purchase card transactions. And they were, had more time to devote to high-impact work and are being utilized in a much more efficient and cost-effective way. And how does that affect the, the contractor too, the relationship that they now have and the way that they're viewed inside that agency? And does it expand that relationship? Perfect, perfect uh, segue. So this particular contractor that I'm thinking about, um, all of a sudden started getting more work, right? Because this one, it, this was one division within the agency. So that division started telling other people about, wow, you know, this contractor automated my entire process. And uh, it's, look how much time I have saved for my workforce. 
And that can probably be quantified into dollars, but the bottom line is more time for the workforce, the acquisition workforce in the federal government, which is basically overworked as it is. And so they, that contractor I'm speaking of now has worked with almost the entire agency because it's spread, um, and the word spread, that this technology was available and that paper processes could be converted into automated processes with not much trouble. Um, everybody thinks, oh, it's going to be so hard, it's going to be such a hard transition. Right. What really worked quite well. Also, the margin, I suspect, for the vendor was better, too, because they were able to do these things faster. So it also benefited them financially, I would suspect. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So it's a win-win for both the government and the contractor. That's why I'm very excited about the prospects of um, turning paper into automated technology. Well, thank you. We're going to take a little break, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk a little bit more, maybe about how some of these contractors can get on the path to doing these types of things and get away from paper, right? I'm Vanessa Roberts on Federal News Network. We'll be back to continue our conversation with our guest, Rob Burden of Kroll & Mooring, in just a minute. Technomile provides transformative cloud solutions, purpose-built to help federal contractors find, pursue, win, and retain more business with the government. Technomile's growth suite empowers BD and capture teams to efficiently manage opportunities, gain actionable market and contact intelligence, and focus resources on the right pursuits. Post-award, Technomile's integrated GRC suite streamlines contract management, improving compliance, risk management, and audit readiness. Visit technomile.com to learn more. That's T-E-C-H-N-O-M-I-L-E.com. Welcome back. I'm Vanessa Roberts with Federal News Network, and we're talking with Rob Burton, a partner in the Government Contracts Group at the law firm Kroll & Mooring. Hello again, Rob. Oh, good to see you. Thanks so much again for having me today. Well, this has been really interesting so far, but let's start getting into a little bit about how you advise um, contractors when they want to get into the federal marketplace and some of the things that they can do to really make those first steps. I think sometimes, especially now, people are used to using spreadsheets, email, maybe they haven't worked with the federal government. Talk a little bit about what are practical steps that you actually advise people on? Well, it's a much more competitive world today, I hate to tell you. Um, as a matter of fact, for small businesses, it's becoming very difficult. Over the last decade, you have seen the number of contracting opportunities actually reduce. The government spends a lot of money, don't get me wrong, they're spending more money than ever. But the actual contracting opportunities have decreased the industrial base of small businesses has increased rather dramatically. And um, you need to distinguish yourself. And so one thing I do when I work with these contractors who are trying to approach the federal government in an effective way, you cannot do the same old, same old. You know, it's just, you have to distinguish yourself. You're gonna have to show that you are at the cutting edge of innovation and automation. It just goes with the turf now. This is really basic. The government wants to see that. And so you need to show the government how incredibly efficient your operation is, that it in effect is a model for the government. The government, in other words, has low risk. If I deal with you, it's low risk. And more than likely, my, uh, the company's profitability is gonna go up and they're gonna be more competitive too. To the extent they can convince the government, I'm low risk, I bring something to the marketplace that very few other people do. You know, I am at the cutting edge of innovation and technology advancement and the use of AI. This is absolutely critical to be competitive in this marketplace. And so one of the first things you know, I tell them with respect to the capabilities briefings that I try to arrange for them with federal uh, procurement executives is to highlight how efficient you are internally in your internal operation, that you basically have everything from A to Z buttoned up and you can, you can provide the data 
just like that. You are very sophisticated with your data analytics. You know program management inside and out. So no matter what the, the skill set you really bring to the table, whatever your real proficiency is, you had better color it with, I also, I also do real basic things like data analytics really well. I do program management really well. No matter what your basic, whether you're an IT contractor or you're just delivering product, you want to at least say, I do everything else incredibly well with respect to things you would be interested, you an agency would be interested in, especially from program management and data analytics. Believe it or not, Vanessa, these are areas that the government really struggles with itself. And so to the extent contractors can say, I know it's hard, uh, but we have figured it out and we actually do have good data analytics and we're really good at program management. Talk a little bit about the fact that there's there are a lot of the risk thing you talk, you brought up, there's a lot of compliance that you know, goes into most federal contracts. They're, depending on what agency it is, it varies a lot from agency to agency. That's another thing. It can be very different from one to the other. But talk about that, like, that risk assessment piece because that also plays into what contracts like a, a vendor or a contractor is going to go for, right? They're going to look at that data and try to figure out and assess their own risk. But that's based a lot on what are the compliance requirements on me and how long is it going to take me to do these things? I mean, you're getting at that and that you're bringing that, you know, those efficiencies to the agency, but how does that play out on the other side for the contractors? Do they talk to you a lot about that as well? Oh, they do, absolutely. I mean, again, it goes to the challenge of dealing with the federal government. You know, the government is so, so difficult to deal with because compliance is the big thing. The government is absolutely um, focused on compliance. So it is incredibly important, and small businesses struggle with this. They have got to have a compliance program at their um, uh, facility that really has all the bells and whistles. I have been surprised in today's world that some contractors simply don't have compliance programs. They don't have automated monitoring systems with respect to what did the clauses require, to what extent am I in compliance with those clauses. All of this now, with some of the contractors I work with, is totally automated. And they have little red flags, you know, that come up <laughs> in an automated way. Uh, it's it's rather impressive, quite frankly. But some some businesses cut corners; they don't want to do the investment, and compliance comes second. With the government, this is one thing that's different between the commercial world and the federal government. Compliance, it's all about compliance. And the problem is, if you don't comply, if you as a contractor try to wing it. I, I hate to tell you, but the government is not sympathetic. And the government, what's that old saying? You know, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Right. And the government's not, um, I have been amazed at how the government's even gone after small businesses um, in a most aggressive way for compliance violations, which result in some type of action by the government, and it can be as bad as suspension of debarment. It can be that bad. And, I, and it is a double standard, I hate to tell you, but the large companies are not getting debarred. It will be the more mid and small companies that the government will be less forgiving. Mm -hmm. uh, the government can't do without some of these large contractors that it, it works with. Not so much with the small and the mid-sized companies. So compliance is so important, and in order to meet that compliance, you're not going to be able to do everything with spreadsheets and all the paper processes of 20 years ago. Right. Uh, it's going to have to be automated with some type of beginning to end automated system. Ignorance is not bliss. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right? No, it can be really painful. And to your point, like it can completely ban you from being able to actually sell into the federal government for periods of time based on if you fail at some compliance. Well, and even if it doesn't result in some type of formal action of that nature, 
the government, even though it's big, is smaller than you think. And so these agencies actually speak to one another. I've actually had procurement executives call me for recommendations, uh, like what small business do you think does this well? Wh who would you recommend? They're calling me from outside the government. And so if they're doing that, I can assure you, they're calling some of their colleagues within the government. Have you dealt with this contractor before? What, what's their performance been like? Um, they will actually, here, here we actually do have communication, <laughs> you know, where we're actually picking up the phone and having a conversation. That is actually happening. Um, because the government doesn't like risk. You know, it doesn't like risk. It doesn't want, if it's a contractor they have not used to dealing with, they ha don't have a history of dealing with that contractor, they're going to check you out, more than likely. That, that, that's interesting. The whole thing follows up on my next thing about metrics. I mean, GSA has the Contractor Performance Assessment Reporting System, CPARS, um, which is where supposedly, you know, they're tracking and rating all these contractors. But there's a lot of other factors that people look at or agencies look at when they are thinking about people they're going to hire, right? I mean, what are some of the metrics and performance things that really do matter? You've talked about it a little bit, but maybe we can focus on that a little bit more. Yeah, sure, Vanessa. It's interesting. This is one area where I've seen the government starting to change. 10, 20 years ago, it was all about CPAR. You know, let me check the CPAR. Uh, what's the rating? The government more and more is also not being robust in their CPAR evaluations. I don't know for what reason, but everybody's satisfactory. You know, I have seen more and more ratings. You're satisfactory, okay? Um, and it doesn't mean a whole lot. If I see that you're satisfactory, um, or maybe very good, but it, the, they tend to be fairly conservative in their CPAR evaluations. They tend to be, look all much the same. There's not a whole lot of descriptive uh, uh, evaluation in the CPAR. Agencies, not all, but more and more agencies are starting to go elsewhere to determine, are you the type of contractor I want to deal with? One thing agencies are doing more and more, they're going to outside contractors who specialize in what I'll call business information services. These contractors have data. They tend to be credit bureaus. They tend to be uh, organizations or companies that give credit ratings and they evaluate risk of dealing with a company from a credit standpoint. But they have all of these reports on risk factors. You know, uh, your, your prior history with the government, what uh, contracts have you had, how have you performed, um, much more robust in the CPAR evaluations, and also giving you a view into the commercial work that they've done. Mm -hmm. And then more, most importantly, What's your financial stability? You're a small business. Do you really operate as a real robust business? What, what's your loan situation? Uh, are you making your loan payments? Are you in financial jeopardy? None of that's in a CPAR evaluation. Okay, <laughs> so none of that's in a CPAR evaluation. But if you don't like risk, and the government doesn't like risk, you're gonna want that kind of robust report. And some of these business information reports that companies provide to the government are, not, are low cost. I mean, it just is not a huge investment. And so more and more government agencies to avoid risk, mitigate the risk, are investing in those types of metrics and they're called risk reports. You know, a lot of them show risk ratings. You know, one is you know, good or bad and 100 is really bad. And so those, uh, more and more agencies are using outside sources to evaluate risk and the, the, uh, the quality performance of a contractor. 
And that really talks to like the ability to actually deliver on time, to meet, comply, all of those things, because it's going to come through in that report if they haven't been doing those to things. To some extent, they tend to be focused on financial stability. They tend to be, uh, these reports tend to be on what kind of risk are, are, are you from a financial right. standpoint. I mean, if you're not real stable financially, you are risk. You are a risk for the government. Mm -hmm. And that does not show up anywhere but through third-party reports of the nature I'm speaking of. So you talked about that, you know, today, like, some things are just, you have to be in the technology game. It's not a question or a choice. You eventually have to move into that world if you really want to continue to grow as a federal contractor. Talk about what are the things that, you know, you suggest people look at if they're going to look at a technology that they want to use, if they want to look at um, contracts, lifecycle management types of technologies, and partners. How sh what are the things they should look at when they're looking at people that they want to hire to work with? Well, that's a very good question, and I do get that question, Vanessa. I get that question, um, and I think the easiest approach is to look at um, look at your competitors. You know, where where are your competitors? Um, you know, doing work? Are they doing work in DoD? Are they doing work in uh, what agencies are they involved with? And I think you want to look at those competitors and see who they are using and what technology they are using. I'm assuming if, if you're, a com you're a competitor, you probably want to be just at least as good as far as your internal processes and your use of artificial intelligence, for example. Well, look to see what who are the competitors using. So if you have a competitor that's really big in DOD, okay, who are they using to support them? They've done a lot of this research. I mean, why, why reinvent the wheel? <laughs> or IT, IT companies. <laughs> who are they using? to improve their internal processes. They probably are hiring an outside contractor to assist them. Right. Who are they using? I don't think you can do any better as, when you decide who should I use for um, this type of support and contract life management support, what we've been talking about here. In deciding who to use, I would look to see who, who's everybody else, who, who's everybody else using? You know, <laughs> and what's their success rate? You know, right. what's, what's, to what extent has their technology saved the other company administrative costs. And some companies will actually discuss this. I mean, you know, you know how the government picks up the phone? I mean, uh, there's no, nothing that prohibits uh, companies from calling each other and saying, hey, who do you use for this type of support? And what's their success rate been? And how much in administrative costs have you saved? Some companies will probably be helpful in that regard. Um, and I've been amazed, too, on this issue of savings because sometimes I've talked to companies that have saved up to 30% in administrative costs by just automating the contract lifecycle um, process from all the way from the very beginning to the end, from the market research all the way through contract award to, to the audit at the end of the process and contract closeout. Making it super worthwhile. I mean, if you think about that, that's a huge savings. Well, and I think it's becoming... Uh, absolutely critical to be competitive in this market. You, you really almost have no choice but to to automate the entire contract lifecycle process. I think more and more contractors are doing it, and you want to be competitive. So, and agencies are watching and respecting companies that do this. So, I think uh, everybody really needs to get get with the 21st century here. <laughs> <laughs> get on the train. Well, I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. We've run out of time, but I really appreciated talking to you, and the insights were super helpful. So, Rob, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great talking to you. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been really fun, too.
We've been talking with Rob Burton of Kroll and Mooring on Federal News Network about contract lifecycle management. I'm Vanessa Roberts. To learn more about federal contract management best practices, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Technomile. Thank you for listening to the discussion, Leading Voices in Federal Contract Management, sponsored by Technomile on Federal News Network.